You're listening to Mike and Kristen. The podcast. I'm Mike, a musician, writer, and producer. And I'm Kristen, a painter, writer, and designer. Our show is all about following dreams, taking chances, and what life as an artist is really about. Together, we bring you weekly guest interviews and thought-provoking conversations. Let's go! Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mike and Kristen, the podcast. We're back again for another weekly episode and so happy to spend some time together. This week's guest has the same name as you, Kristen. It made it a little confusing when you would say Kristen, and then we would both answer the question. What, Mike? (laughs) That happened like 30 times in the interview. No, that's what eye contact is for. (laughs) She spells her name different. She does. And she was, so today's guest, Kristen Green, was recommended to us by her brother, Tommy Green Jr., who we had on the podcast just a few weeks ago. And I'm so glad he did because she was just another superstar in our studio. Just a ball of energy. That's one way to describe it. Tommy has a lot of energy, but I think Kristen has even more. I wonder what their parents fed them. I did ask her about her parents because I was genuinely curious about how it was possible to raise more than like one child, but more than one child with that level of enthusiasm and output. I envy it. It's such a positive thing too. It's just, just does so much excitement in, in everything. Like when you'd, Ask a question, her eyes would light up. And so when Kristen first arrived, she definitely had that first impression of infectious energy, like a, an 11 out of 10. And some of our guests, when they first arrive, are a little nervous, maybe jittery, which can make you kind of hyperactive. But two hours later, the it was still the 11 out of 10. So yeah. this is just her. This is just who, what you were going to hear in this interview is just how she shows up day to day. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yes. Like she's, so much love, so much positivity. Yeah. She's just a radiant rainbow. She hosts a TV show, produces TV shows. Um, she does comedy, stand-up comedy, does boylesque. Yeah, she's got all these cool events under her belt. And What I love about her story that we talk about more extensively in this episode is just she's another example of kind of following her nose. It's just happened organically for her because she was open to opportunities. She was available to say yes, to take risks, to not worry about what other people are thinking of her. She's just followed her life's path and it's led her into this kind of dream scenario. And happened to bring her into our studio here to chat with us. Yeah, it was a great chat, a great way to get to know some of these little tips and tricks that she has implemented to arrive in this place that she's at in her life. So we we hope that it's a good way for others to learn that about themselves. And we definitely hope to spend time with Kristen again. Yeah, well, let's jump into the first ever sibling with have we ever had well last week we had siblings 
yeah, I together. guess together at the same time. Uh, for separate, separate siblings. For separate siblings ever on the podcast. Yeah. So uh, congrats to Tommy and Christian for that. But uh, yeah, let's get into our chat with Christian Green. Test. Oh wow, my I'm literally gonna anticipate it. You're used to your own voice though, right? <laughs> um yeah. yes and no. Like <laughs> maybe that never goes away. That kind of awkwardness yeah, of hearing yourself. I think so. I don't know, because I, I, yeah, of course I talk all the I love talking, I talk all the time. But for some reason this one I was like, Oh yeah, that does sound <laughs> different. I don't know. <laughs> but it sounds beautiful. Thank sounds you. Sounds perfect. You're just seeing yourself too. <laughs> I find B as soon as the camera is turned on, I turn into a different person. Like I'm so confident going. We did our, in our an interview with Katie Kelly the other day, and she was visiting for maybe half an hour, forty five yeah. minutes before we actually started filming. <laughs> but it's the second that you know you're rolling, it's like my sweat glands open up and I morph into an awkward version of myself. <laughs> it's so funny because I actually so like one of my jobs is that I host TV shows, and I and I don't I like I don't feel weird about it anymore. Like I actually, but. For some reason, this one I was like, <laughs> like I just really I don't know why, and it's like, and I know I'm not being like filmed, but it I don't know why it's it feels again maybe I'm just nervous or excited. <laughs> you can be well, both of those things. They, yeah. feel, they feel the we, same in the body too, don't they? Yeah, they so, totally do. We'll just go with excitement. We're all just excited. That's we're all. So excited <laughs> to be here. I love and we're it. We're very excited that you are here. On episode what seventy something or other, seventy something or other. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and you are a TV host. You do comedy. Yeah. You do what else? Do you play any music? We know Tommy does. I play the ukulele, but yeah. not well. Like yeah. I don't, I don't play music, but I, in, I play music. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. I, I enjoy playing the ukulele, and I can't do anything else. And I don't, I don't even understand music, but. I love playing my ukulele. But you have a very long list of creative projects that you're Thank part you. of. Yeah, I think so. I'm trying awfully hard. Um, yeah, I work in... So essentially, like, my pitch is being, like, I'm a producer, writer, director, and host for mm. television, film, and live events. Mm. Um, so I just kind of do a little bit of everything. Do you do all those at the same time, or are you hired out for each individual thing Wonderful question. A bit of both. Um, yeah. It depends on the project. Sometimes they're like, oh, with this show, we want you to direct it and write it and host yeah. it and production manage it sometimes. Um, or there'll be another show where you're like, oh, I, can you just host this yeah. show and, mm -hmm. and just think about that. Um, but the Boylesque troupe that I'm a part of um, is yeah. called Atlantic Boylesque, and I'm the host of that troupe and one of the producers. And that is something that's like all the time. Like we always have our next show. Actually, right now I think we have our next like six shows planned oh, probably. Nice. And that's something that's like always on my brain. I'm always yeah. working on that. Mm. Um, so you have a lot of control if you're wearing all those hats. <laughs> is this part of your personality? Yeah. Actually, <laughs> yes, it is. I haven't, I haven't had, like had a lot of experience or a lot of opportunities to be so like ha having this much responsibility, but I love it. Like I actually love it. I love yeah. having full control over things. And not that I don't like, I've, uh, obviously you need collaboration and people are like, can bring so much to it and so many different things that I couldn't have. But I also am like, 
Oh, I'm like, sometimes, you know, like with your, it's just with your own art. Like, I think a lot of the times too, when you are like your job is art, like that can just be so, people love to control that. People love to restrain that. People love to, so it's, it's so important to me, like, because what I do is my um, passion and my creativity and it's like all of my art, then yes, I want to have as much control over it as, yeah. as I possibly can, if that makes sense. I feel like similar to you guys where you have like, you know, maybe like a record label who's like trying to tell you what to do and you're like, no. Mm. Yeah. I, I find it hard to relinquish control for yeah. sure. Like, especially when, I don't know, you, you're so attached to it and you put everything you possibly can into something and then someone else is just offering a quick opinion on it yeah it's hard to kind of trust that opinion yeah but i know i have to be better at it because <laughs> it, it is necessary to listen to other people's feedback yeah but it's just like when you just put everything you can into something and then someone's like oh i think you should do this like well i thought of that <laughs> yeah. and it's stupid let me tell you what I think of you. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a yeah. good point where people are often, even a collaborator is often seeing your end result. So they're not always there for the entirety of a project. And yeah, yeah you give them this thing that you've put multiple hours and blood, sweat and tears into. And then they're like, I would change this part. And you're like, I yeah. agonized yeah. over that for yeah. days. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. You're like, you don't even know. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> you don't even know what that did to me. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree. But we've also had the benefit now of interviewing a lot of artists. And something common that has come up is that their art form is an expression of themselves, mm -hmm. which makes total sense. It's kind of a this mirror image or some type of claim about their values, how they live their life. So collaborating can be hard as far as that goes, too, because you're bringing in somebody's complete separate set of life experience that might not align with your 100%. own. hundred percent. And then and some people are so I've learned like some people are just bad at um, communicating. Like when that happens, they just like are like, oh, blah, blah, blah. and it's like, yeah, if we can just talk about it really nicely, I'm sure we can just figure it out. Like and I've learned that, too, because like, especially with Boylesque, it's like that's something that's a huge group effort. We have all differing mm. ideas on what we want to do with that. And that's something. So it's just like you have to just be able to talk nicely to each other. and figure it out. I like your approach. Yeah. You. <laughs> you just hug it out. Huh? Just hug it out yeah. and just like <laughs> say what you're what's up and that it can be that easy, I think, like. So I think Mike communicating. Oh, sorry. I was going to say communicating is usually the answer to everything. In yeah, life. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Trust and communication and, and hugs. talking over everybody. <laughs> yeah. Talking over it and hugging out. And that's it. Well, I was just going to say you mentioned Tommy earlier, but for clarity, we had Tommy Green Jr. on as a guest a few weeks ago, and you are. Tommy Green Jr.'s sister. I'm his little sister, and more importantly, I'm his best friend. Um, <laughs> that is a good distinction. <laughs> Thank you. He's just, like, the best person ever, 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 uh, ever. And were you always close? Like, yes, yes, but we were never... Okay, so Tommy's, like, eight years older than me. So growing up, like, yeah, we were best friends, but we weren't on the same level. Like, he was mm -hmm. always my older brother, but he was the one, like, he would... Oh, like he could see that I started doing drama and stuff like that too. And he really was like trying to curate that for me and trying to be like, uh, like try to support me and encourage me to take that route. Like, so he's just always been so integral. Like, I think the reason I'm a performer probably is because I had Tommy yeah. as an influence and like, but, but then when we got older, 
It wasn't until I was like 21 or 22 that we actually became friends, like because he left when I was like in grade four Mm. and then never really got to hang out with him again. And then now it's just like, like I'll never, I actually will never forget the night that we like became friends was that I was living in this apartment by myself and I was like dating this like dumb guy and and I was like and I was like waiting around for him we were gonna go out that night and I was waiting around for him and I was waiting for him and then finally he like canceled on me and I was like oh this sucks and then I didn't have any other friends and I literally was like I wonder what Tommy's doing so I like texted Tommy and I was just like hey are you busy tonight and he was like I'm gonna pick you up in 15 minutes and uh and then he did and then he and then he brought me a weed gummy and he took me to the Carltones and uh it was like the and we just like had so much fun and I was like you're fucking cool. <laughs> Sorry, can I say the effort? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's fucking awesome. Okay, <laughs> um, yeah, and then and like since then we just became like such good friends. Like we just see each other so much and and everything that he does and everything that I do and actually like it was like a month after that even that Tommy called me one night and was it was like a Friday night and he was like what are you doing on Sunday and I was like nothing. Why are you asking? And he was like, I just booked you on a comedy show and you have to write five minutes. Whoa. Good luck. So this is how you started and, in comedy. And you're saying he's a good comedy. big brother. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. It, yeah, it scared the shit out of me. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That's the craziest thing. But but he did. He really like pushed me to do that. And actually, the only reason I know how to play ukulele is because when I was starting to do stand-up, I had this idea that I was going to do musical comedy as well. But then I was like, I don't know how to play anything. And then he was just like, well, ukulele would be really easy for you. Like, that's what you should do. So I was like, okay. And then he just was like, all right, let's go. Let's go right now. And he took me along with and he bought me my first ukulele um, that I wrote a couple like comedy songs on and stuff and so like he's just not to brag but yeah I just have like the coolest um, brother ever so had you done or thought of doing comedy before then he just like thought you would be good at it yeah like it was (laughs) yeah like it was kind of crazy but it but again like this is where I feel like he just saw me like he just knew because what had happened was like growing up I was always in drama and I Loved it. And I always played the comedy role, like the comedic role in these plays and stuff. And I loved it. And I think I was pretty good at it, I'll say. Yeah. Um, but then when I went to university, like, I think I just got, you know, when you go to university and all of a sudden you're just like one in a million and you're like, uh, yeah. and you yeah. get, and we you're both just know like, that feeling and have <laughs> talked about it. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And you grew up in small towns yeah. and you're like, I'm amazing at track and field. Yeah. And then you get to provincials and you're dead last. So yeah. it's very humbling. It's yeah. so humbling. And all of a sudden I was just like, oh, I suck. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm, I don't know. And I just completely like fell into this shell for my entire university, um, I almost said career. I don't know why, but were you studying um, comedy or like studying no. the arts in any way? Okay. I, w- I took a bachelor of arts. I went to Mount Allison okay. because Tommy went to Mount Allison, but also my sister went to Mount Allison. And so I went because I liked the school. I'd spent a lot of time there. But then and I and I went with the intention of going because they had all these crazy theater programs. And then I just got and then I was just like too nervous and I didn't do any of them, any of them. Mm-hmm. Um and then I finished university. I just got like a BA in geography and religious studies, um, mm. which is cool. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the coolest thing you can do. Uh, really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, it sets a good foundation for life, I think. <laughs> I think so. I think so. And then, and then after that, I just for like two years was like, what am I doing with my life? And I was working at like the Canard Center in their catering thing. And then, and then. I just had no 
drive or passion or I wasn't doing what I wanted. And then and then I think Tommy just saw that I in my heart, I am a performer and he like pulled it back out of me. And now I've spent the last like 10 years getting it back and like not even 10 years. But anyway, it's cool. I have to ask about your parents because you and Tommy and and we don't know your sister. Maybe she'll be a guest, too. But <laughs> like you and Tommy both have this really it's like crazy energy, wild presence about yourselves. Like, where does that come you. from? You're welcome. That's so kind. Um, okay, so yeah, it's weird. So uh, we have a sister and then we have another brother. Um, and out of the four of us, like Tommy and I are the most like, like we're the, and then the two in the middle are like conventional, like married with families and they're like so this sweet. This is the opposite for middle children Very, usually, isn't it? I know, isn't that You've weird? broken the mold. I think so. I think so. Like, but it definitely, I think like Tommy and me being like the first child and the last child made us both attention seeking in our own kind of ways, yeah. I think. Um, but my parents... Oh, my parents are so sweet. I actually listened to Tommy's episode with my mom, which was really cute. So I just ha- wanted to say that. Anyway, um, they're lovely. They're like, they're not as, my dad's very funny. My my mom and my dad are very funny, but they're not like, um, they're not as like showy as we are. My dad will like, has, would always get asked to host the like Christmas party and stuff like that. Because actually he is a little bit of a performer, but um, it's weird that like nobody... I think my grandmother was, like, really zany. Like, my grandmother (laughs) was, like, like me, I think. And maybe that's where it comes from a bit. I don't know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Isn't that weird? Yeah, because they... Oh, my mom's an incredible actor, though. I'm so sorry. My mom actually did all of the, like, community theater stuff in our Mm. hometown. Um, So she also actually was, like, integral to my uh, experience and where I am now. Because even, like, in, in middle school when it was, like... There was a teacher strike and and the t- teachers weren't going to do drama that year. And then my mom like stepped up so that I didn't have to lose that year of having a play or Aww. having a, like like mm. she's yeah. So probably that, but I think that's they're just so supportive. They're just like do it, like just do it. Like I like I remember too my when Tommy was in university, like they called, we had like a. Tommy called home being like, hey, guys, I'm going to drop out of university to go uh, join this dinner theater so that I can play music. And my parents were like, that's awesome. Good for you, Tommy. Like, And they're even like, oh, at the end of the year? And he's like, no, I'm going right now. Like, I'm going to St. John right now. And they were just like, okay, well, have fun. Like, they've always been... So this is an official invitation to the entire Green family. <laughs> so please come hang out with us. You would, you would love that, actually. We are just, we are so, we are fun. We Holidays are, must be fun at your place. They are so fun, actually. We're all, the thing about our family is we're all very funny, actually. Like, which I think I take for granted when you go to other people's families and they're just, like, boring. You're like, <laughs> you guys suck. Like, this is, because when we get together, like, everybody's so funny but like different funny too like even my brother and my sister who are both like the ones that are like not like are not performers are also like so funny and it just i think it helps when you have such a good supportive do you family. play games Ooh, um we used to play mafia but we are not allowed to play that anymore um because it got a little it can get heated have you guys played yeah. mafia are you competitive as um, well a li- like a little bit i think and i think like <laughs> yeah yeah i'm just thinking about it actually yeah that one so that one we're not allowed to play anymore but spoons we love playing spoons did you guys ever play that one i don't know that one oh my gosh spoons so fast i'll say it is like there are so many spoons in the middle and and you have to and you're like 
picking up cards and you're trying to get so many, like I think of four of a kind. But as soon as you get four of a kind, you pick up a spoon. But if you see someone else pick up a spoon, then you pick up a spoon. And there's one less spoon than there are people. Uh. And so it's just so funny and giddy. And like they, we would do jokes where like they used to play this trick on me because I was always so slow and I never got it. I never won. That my family would just pretend like they would all win but keep it going just so that I could win. Like, I don't know. They just... Oh yeah, funny that's very and kind. Yeah. <laughs> I had the worst poker face playing games really? with my family growing up, but they were very much cutthroat. Like they'd be like, "Oh, Kristen has this card," and <gasps> would rule me out immediately. Like it didn't matter that I was six years old; <laughs> I was eliminated from the game because my, somebody else around the table wanted to win. No way! <laughs> yeah. That is so funny. Very opposite of from my family. Actually, that that's is cute. so funny. Did um, you guys play games? You had an odd number in your family. We never really played games with the whole family, like the the three sons and mom and dad, but like the brothers would always do things and we'd always play sports with dad and but we never like sat around like, it's time for Monopoly night, yeah. kids. Like we were always just doing so many things yeah. independently that there was never a lot of game nights. Mm. Do you guys play games now? Like the two of you? <sighs> We did during COVID, like during mm. the lockdown, we played Battleship. Fair, <laughs> like somebody left us. So we both got COVID and we put it, I don't know how this all started, but Mike and I put a box of our merch outside of our front door okay. during, because we couldn't leave and made a post that people could come and take anything that they wanted out of the box. Like maybe it was an album or like one of my small paintings or something I had out there. <gasps> and in exchange to leave us something. And some people left books, some people left food. There was a battleship game, which is what got us on and playing battleship during this time. It was so much fun. Like you'd hear a car pull in and then you'd wait politely for them to leave. And then you'd go out and check what was at the door. Like it was really actually quite fun. <laughs> we got a so lot of stuff during that. Yeah. We got so much food. And yeah, really? and it was always a surprise and like a little note or something handmade. Uh, Somebody made us mixed drinks, I remember, in they, Mason jars. They, uh, yeah, and they named it after one of my songs. Yeah. 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 It was like a custom made mixed drink for us. So it was Pretty special, you know? Yeah. And we were telling you earlier about being evacuated during the wildfires mm. and that <laughs> we're trying to make that into a fun thing. So maybe that's one of our superpowers is we're oh, able to kind of take you. these catastrophes. That's, that's and, life, you know? Yeah, you you got to go. roll with the punches and make it all fun or you're just going to end up just cranky. I guess. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. My, that's actually why, why comedy is so important to me is because I think that, like, anything ever that is like shitty that it happens to you like anything at all you can you I, you have two options you can either like be upset about it or you can laugh about it and i've just found that making the conscious effort to laugh about it instead of crying about it just makes me a happier person like yeah. and it's hard like and th there are times like i make jokes like oh my god like uh my cat died like a couple weeks ago and and uh i just joke about it all the time it's and it's and people are like oh and it's like i'm obviously heartbroken yeah. it, was, it was devastating to me but like me and like the person who I own the cat with, like, we would call me, like, oh, you want to go? We had to go pick up her ashes, and we'd be like, do you want to go pick up our dead cat now? Like, are you ready to go pick yeah. up our dead cat? Right. Like, our cat died. Like, it's just, it's like not, but it's funny because it's like, or else I'd be, I'd be bawling my eyes out. Like, I, and that's what I, oh, comedy is just so important to me for that. Like, and I actually think that, like, nothing should be off 
bounds or off bounds, off limits. That's what yeah, I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing should really be off limits. Like, don't be a dick about it. Like, don't be making bad, tasteful, like, in bad taste jokes. But, like, you should laugh about death. You should laugh about, like, I think, like. They're all inevitable things, too. Yeah. Right? So. I think so. I like, feel like the East Coast, the like East Coasters in general have that sense of humor where they, because a lot, a lot of people in the East Coast grew up poor yeah. and like the a lot of i'm from a mining community like there's a, a lot of people their sense of humor was kind of what what got them through hard times and i think that's kind of just instilled in our dna in in a way for sure i think so you make a really good point mike i do think it's like pretty it's in, it's in our little east coast it's our coping mechanism yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think that is what it is actually yeah, yeah. It works, it is, so. yeah. comedy works. feels like one of those creative expressions though that is kind of forever changing like oh, it's in point. this weird space right now from what i have seen because there's so much sensitivity around things mm-hmm, but that's mm-hmm. often like the funny stuff too oh it's so funny yeah. like like it's... how do you deal with knowing i guess what is appropriate we'll say in an audience or maybe mm. there is no line to be crossed it's a very good question and i don't think like um it's hard. Everybody's level's different, too. Like, there are, like, um, it's hard. There are times that I've definitely, um, like, people, I'm trying to think, like, there's one of my jokes where it's, like, is so on the fence because it is about, like, <laughs> in some ways, it's, like, it's kind of about a blind person, but it's also, like, the point of it is that, like, I'm trying to hit on this blind person. I think that they're so hot that I am going to try several times like I they I try once and then they and they shoot me down so then I try again with a different voice and like I try again with a different voice and that's actually something that like that joke I have felt people be like oh and it's like but I'm not making fun of that person and and so and so it's hard like sometimes people are like oh they just hear that and it's off limits and it's so frustrating because you're like no 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 like I, you you got to look for the bigger picture of it and it's just like if yeah. anything I'm making fun of myself because this person doesn't want to date me and I'm just so desperately I'm going to do anything mm. to make them you know what I mean so it's like um it's really hard finding that 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 level like and I think as long as long as you're just don't, don't be a dick like that's how I feel like if you're just there are people who like have those topics and have jokes about those topics to be a dink about it you know what I mean mm. like yeah. and you're just like that's not cool but if you're doing it because it's like as long as you have good intentions, I think, too. Like, But you're right. It's the hardest, like, uh, it's so hard to know. Like, yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we've, I don't know. I feel like intention is so huge. Yeah. And, and you can tell when someone's like, because I find when comedians are delivering something that maybe is a little bit pushing those boundaries, like, they'll kind of even give a facial expression where they're like acknowledging that like i know that i'm going here but let's just kind of go there together and have a laugh and yes yeah so good for you thank you it's probably (laughs) even a hard thing maybe even an unfair thing to ask for you to talk about because even like even talking about it can feel a little bit like oh i don't want to it's so weird i know yeah well it's just like it's so funny also because i had like i used to have this joke um <laughs> like before, like this was years ago. I used to have this joke about I found out that I had high testosterone, and I was like, "Does that mean I'm gay?" 
And then, and then the joke was like, I do wear a lot of these shirts, which are like these button-up shirts. And at that time, and then I made a joke being like, I asked my gay, my gay friend if I could say that. And she said yes. Like, that yeah. is how I said yeah, it. Yeah, that's perfect. But then what's funny is that then I came out a few years later. And so then I'm like, also like, I could have fucking said that. I was gay. I could have said that. Yeah. Like, you just like, tweak the joke. I just, yeah, exactly. So it's like, so it's funny too, because it's like, yeah, there are times where it like, it changes and things are maybe are fine a few years ago they're not now like i don't know it's just it's really i think as long as you're like intention is so good and uh just don't take anything too seriously like mm. i think everybody just needs to like just chill out like yeah. and i think bit. it's a comedian's responsibility to to straddle that line to to push the boundaries wow. and to really kind of get that reaction like you know that telling a certain joke that's close to that line is going to probably offend some people, but that is, I think, necessary to create that form of art. A hundred percent, actually, because that's what's so important about art too. Is like you need to figure out what your platform is and the influence that you have. And so, um, if you have a voice of any kind, I think that you should be figuring out how to use it to create progress like i think that so it's even like you we should be having jokes about all the really shitty stuff that's happening yeah. or like all this bad stuff just because we should be talking about it and we should be like mm -hmm. you should be constantly using that anyway my dad always said that like never uh underestimate your the influence that you have on people and i believe in that so much it's just like oh if i have this platform then it's almost like you sh you probably should do it like yeah, and and you get people thinking about those issues yeah. too. Like mm -hmm. you, they're laughing at the show when they're leaving. Like, yeah, that was funny. They brought up this particular issue, and maybe they never really thought about it in in a deeper way before. Yeah. So it's a way just to get people's wheels spinning. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I can't think of a more vulnerable art form than stand-up oh. comedy. Like, I, I think I would sooner. Do I think I would die yeah. actually <laughs> if somebody asked me to go up on stage and. Tell a single you have, joke. You have no a joke way. folder, though. You have so, a joke folder? So the joke folder <laughs> is the joke, though. Really. <laughs> because Mike discovered I have a joke folder no. on the laptop, of, on the yeah desktop of my computer. And there's like a couple terrible jokes in it. But the funny thing is the fact that I, I have a folder of bad jokes so no way and what did you think when you found this folder oh, i didn't i didn't see what the jokes were i, I don't know she, she, we were doing something together on her computer and i just saw jokes or joke folder i was like so what? embarrassed i'm so embarrassed please Please, what, like, what are your jokes? <laughs> Do you? What's the folder called? What's it called? Joke folder. <laughs> Please, for the love I'll of God, I'll send it to you God. for your next really? show. I was like, can you? Do you even remember one joke that you can tell? Oh, right I now? think there is only one joke in it, but and I don't remember. So a joke though that I love to turn to, and, it, and it's not a joke. I shouldn't call it that. <laughs> Tease me I'm so excited. I'm so. I can't believe I'm sharing this right now. I'm. So, I'm already like red in the face, embarrassed. I find it very funny that we can go to Mars, but we can't predict 
weather patterns still. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, that's basically the whole joke. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> that's the joke. I love it. I feel like if I were going to do stand-up, I would have to do a bit around that. Like, it needs to be flushed out, like, a million, you know, because it's one sentence. It's only, like, you're waiting for the rest of it. But this would be the premise of what I find hilarious. So that, that's so in the joke funny. folder. That's, so there's a joke. <laughs> there's a joke in there somewhere. You just need a premise. Maybe you could use that and make something with it. I don't know. <laughs> please, please let me. Do you have please. a joke folder? Or like, how um, do you document your material? Oh, that's a great question. I write it all down on my phone. And I've learned that like from when I first started doing it, like, because if like, why I do it on my phone is because you, it's the thing that you have. Like, I tried doing the pen and paper thing, but you're just going to like lose that or you're not going to. Anyway, so if you think of anything funny at all, like, like, Sometimes it's not even a full joke. I'm like like that. I mean, like, that's a premise. Yeah. That's a premise. So you put that in here. Sometimes it's like a it's like a even a punchline. Like it doesn't have to be fully formed, but I put it all in this one note and then um every once in a while I just sit down and I like have a beer, I like smoke a little bit of weed and I go through it and then I just and I take this and I'm like, "Okay." And and joke writing is fascinating to me because like and I didn't know Oh, gosh, sorry. I'm all over the place because I'm just getting excited about things that I want to talk about. But um, I actually one time like I worked on a cruise ship for a little while because Tommy works on cruise ships. And so he yeah. got me working on a cruise ship. And um, I worked as like an activities host, which is how I'm able to host stuff now is because I hosted trivia and karaoke and all this stuff for so long. But I developed a stand up comedy class that I taught on this cruise ship. And it was so interesting to me because for the first time I had to really think about this of like, how do you write a joke? How do you write that? Like, and how do I teach other people how to write jokes? Mm -hmm. And then it became so interesting to me about like, I, so I start off with this process of being like, yeah, just write in your phone. And then, you know, once a week, sit down and, and look through that and hash through it. And you're gonna hash out some jokes. And it's so interesting to me, like taking a concept and it's like, you know, when you were a kid and you just did the web thing where you like put a circle around something mm -hmm. and you figure out all the like options. Like a brain map kind Yeah, of thing. it's like that even. Joke writing is like that. Like you're just like, you take this thing and you, and then I try to go as far forward as I can with it. Like I'll write a joke and then it's like, well, then what would happen? And then what would happen? And then what would happen? And also even beforehand being like, well, how do I set up this joke? Well, what, what would have before or what was before? Like it's fascinating like writing jokes and I actually don't even write jokes as much as I used to like um I've just kind of been busy but it, it's, it's so cool to like sit down and think about like and thinking about even like the rules of threes like so like one of the joke examples joke structures I would say is be like what's funny is doing the unexpected so if you set up a pattern with the audience um it's like, okay, this is the joke, and then here's the second one, and then they're expecting this pattern, so you do the unexpected for that third one, and that's the laugh, and that's mm. why it's funny. And it's just like, that to me is like so cool to talk about, and like, because also with comedy, like, you can try to be as objective about it as you want, but also it's completely subjective. Like, you, I will make all these rules, and also the, they could not be true at all for you. Like, mm. it's so cool well, there's so many different styles too yeah. right like you have a mitch hedberg or something yeah. with the, just little one-liners that just flow in each other yeah. like non sequiturs and then you have geez uh, like impressions or yeah. you have like people doing mm -hmm. a story character storytelling yeah. story storytelling story i'm so stupid anyway <laughs> so i want to I um, go back to small town new brunswick oh. here 
girl in high school performing in plays and mm-hmm. acting uh what's what did you want to do from there did you have a vision in mind <sighs> of what christian green would become that's a great question um growing up i think i did want to be like an actor yeah. um or a dancer i danced all my life yeah and um i think that that was like that was it but you know when you are in a rural town and you kind of just get like caught up in the in that so so i think like part of me was like oh wow i'd love to be an actor like whatever but then the other part of me is like no i'm gonna go to university and then i'm gonna move back here and you gotta settle down and you're gonna have kids and you're gonna get married and have a farm and it's so (laughs) funny is now i'm like that could not be more opposite of like what i am and what i want like but you know like you see those people who who grow up in in those towns and like they just kind of don't leave and i think like some people are obviously very happy for that but um sometimes you just kind of get stuck in that little box and so i think that i thought i was going to be in that box and i'm really happy i'm not did you um, feel like this life you're in now was an option for you growing mm. up in that small town? Thank you. And no, that mm. is the point I'm trying to make, actually, Kristen. Thank you. Because it's so weird saying my own name to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Okay. Sorry. Um, uh, no, I didn't even think it was an option. I didn't think like, it, like where we're from too is it's called Lauren Oxford. And there's like 90 people who live in that rural community. And then the closest town to us is like 600 people. So it's like, no, I never in a million years thought that I could be a television host or even be a comic like or even like any of this no like it wasn't even on my radar and I think that's also why like I just went to university um because I, it was just like oh this is what you do and this is like I, I didn't even know that there was like second city like I didn't mm-hmm. even know about comedy school I didn't even know about like I, so no I just didn't even know it was an option which is cool like and I feel like not a lot of people in those areas like get get to know that you know what i mean like and one of the most rewarding things i've ever done was during covid um the government or like the film industry set up this thing called real canada where they were um connecting like filmmakers with high school students and it was so like we would zoom in to a high school class uh, in like video production or like a tech class or something like that and then these kids got to ask us as filmmakers like how we got into it or where we could go from there or something like that and it was it was so rewarding because when I was doing it I was just like oh my god if somebody when I was like in grade 11 could have called me and been like Mm -hmm. hey Kristen if you want to work in tv or film or comedy like you can do it and here's how you do it I think I would have done this so much longer ago like yeah and it's so cool now because like that's what's really important about technology and like making these things so accessible was mm-hmm. like, I'm hoping that like, I don't know, maybe they're all like, shut up, you're annoying. But maybe they were like, maybe I could do that. Today's episode is brought to you by the amazing Wilson's Coastal Club. This resort has eight cottages ranging from bachelor to three bedroom units. So you can take the whole family along, including your fur babies. Dogs are welcome. Mallory and Kyle, the owners, are two awesome people who have created the perfect getaway for you. 
And we've stayed there ourselves, and, you know, we felt like two little kids on vacation. This hidden gem is right on the ocean. They've got a private beach with loungers for all of their guests, e-bikes, and all of the water sports like stand-up paddle boards, kayaking, swimming, and the ambient sound of the waves. A lot of wildlife there, too. Loons. Ducks. Seals. Cranes. Deer. Bunnies. And more bunnies! Woo! (laughs) As if this place wasn't awesome enough, They're also offering fitness classes on the beach, wellness retreats, and meditation workshops. Wilson's Coastal Club is open all year round. And if you're worried about the Nova Scotia winter nipping at your nose, don't fret, they've got you covered. They're offering Canadian-made cedar wood-fired hot tubs and oceanfront 10-foot red cedar panoramic view barrel saunas coming this fall. Located at 7532 St. Margaret's Bay Road in Bootlears Point, Nova Scotia, you can book your stay at wilsonscoastalclub.com. And if you book before October 30th and use the discount code Mike and Kristen, you'll receive 15% off your stay. Woo! Private beach! Bonfires! Whoa, good times in the maritime! S'mores! I think the average person, if they look at a career in TV or film, they think you can either be an actor or a director. Like they're the two potential options. Mm. But there are so many different roles. You can be a cameraman. You can do makeup. You can do makeup. You can do art. Yeah. You can do, it's like literally. You can be a carpenter. Yeah. Set design. Exactly. And it's just like anything you want to do. You can do it in film, like, and and what I love about our industry here is that um, here in Halifax is that it's it's a big enough industry that there are opportunities, but it's small enough that you're actually going to get them. Yeah. Where when you live in Toronto and when I lived in Toronto, like I, oh my gosh, you don't get anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's so many there, but then you have so much more competition. We're here, like, literally, the only reason I'm working in film and TV right now is I happened to have this meeting with Nicole Steves. If you know her, she's I do. Oh, she's just like such a badass. And I just like was offhandedly like, wow, I'd love to work in television. That'd be cool. Mm. And then she sent me an email like a week later and was like, hey, the show needs a PA. Do you want it? And I was like, oh, yeah, I want it. Mm. And then it's just like that wouldn't have happened in Toronto that like people are just so communal and are like, oh, you want to join here? Join. And you can just become a part of it. Like, it's I really feel like cool. the music industry shares that sense yeah. of family. Yeah, and I do too. I don't know as many people in film and television, but those that I do know well, I feel would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's very supportive. It's it's like a network of people that want to see you rise. It's not yeah. this kind of cutthroat competitive, I'm sure, to, in some aspects, but it's, I don't know, it's not something I get to experience as much as a painter, like having yeah. that same communal feel but like maybe Halifax in general in the creative industries offers that mm. like we're kind of it's the same feeling as being in the small town and feeling like the big fish in the yeah. small pond. We 100%. kind of get to have a sense of that here. So, yeah, we'll stick around. Oh, 100 percent. I completely I completely agree with you. I just feel like, um, yeah, in Toronto or like bigger places, like you're just you have to work so much harder and to still kind of be nobody like. Yeah, we're here like and and very good point, Kristen. It's like. um in these industries, it's like technically like we're at co- in competition with each other. Like technically it's like there's a job and either I get the job or you get the job. But there, it doesn't feel that competitive. It feels very like communal and we're trying to help each other. And even in our comedy scene, actually, like I'm finding that so much like people are 
really excited to help each other out right now. Yeah, um, good. Which is awesome. Yeah, it's so important for us. Do you do open mics? I do do open mics. Um, I right now, so I, I'm I do stand up, but I'm not. It's not like my focus right now where mm. it, I don't want to hustle with it anymore, which yeah. is the thing. Like, if you want to actually be a comedian, you need to hustle. You need to be on shows every night of the week, like mm. writing new stuff. Um, and I did do that for a little while. And then it started to become really taxing on me. And I realized mm. it's because it's not what I want to do with my life. Like, I like doing it. And I think it helps um, everything that I work on. Like, I love doing it, but I'm not hustling like other people are hustling so like my rule is that i only do i do shows if i'm asked to do shows Mm -hmm. and that i find so much better because it's like it's not me yeah being like trying to go to all these annoying not annoying sorry but just taxing these open mics are like it's a grind oh my gosh it's a grind and it's like everybody and we have a joke among comics where we're like I hate stand-up. Like, every stand-up comic hates stand-up. Like, we're just like, I hate this. I hate this so much. It Are sucks. a lot of stand-up comics, is that a, a stepping stone to something else? Or is it just about achieving different maybe venues or yeah. audiences? Like, what's kind of the, the, quote, goal? That's a great question. I think it's a bit different for everybody. Some people are like, I want to be a stand-up comic. That's mm-hmm. what I want to do. But there are other people who are like, I'm use- like I want to be a host. Like, I'm using this and I'm learning from this so that eventually I can host um, karaoke or trivia or host, like, um, bigger things. Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to... It's... Yeah. Have you ever had to go to work as a comic and have been having a really terrible day? Oh. And you have to just, like, put on this total act? Yeah. That would be really hard. It is really hard. Um, It sucks. And there are... It's actually, like... My job, especially because like with I do this with stand up, but also like my job job is hosting live events and hosting TV shows. And it's like also on those days, um, like if I'm not feeling it, it doesn't matter. And I'm sure like as a musician, too, you feel as I've uh, lately I've been having an existential crisis being like <laughs> I if this is the way that I live my life, I therefore uh, I belong to everybody and I don't even belong to myself mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter if I'm having the worst day in the world. I have to go and perform for people. So therefore, I don't really own myself. <laughs> I belong to everybody. I yeah. love that perspective. It's crazy. Like, it is, it's been really good. It's been really bad. It, like, the reason it gave me a lot of, like, it made me think recently, like, oh, my God, maybe I'm unlovable. Like, no one will, because, like, I will never be everything for one person because I need to be, I need to belong to everybody. Like, I mean, when I go to these shows, like, I need to say hi to everybody. I need to like, you know what I mean? And then, so I thought maybe like some, it would be hard for me to be like lovable because um, I can't give one person all of my attention. I need to give everyone my attention. And when I go to shows, even like as a patron, like I often know a lot of the people and I have to say hi to everybody. And I want to, like, I, I want to live my life like this. I love it. I, I love community. But then it made me be like, oh no, maybe like, um, <laughs> yeah you know do, what i mean do you feel like it's your responsibility to do that uh, like as a comic like you have to i think like yes and no i think that it, i kind of have to do that for the public but i actually just love to do it like and that's so i'm not saying it's an obligation because i'm sure also i could just not talk to people and be like yeah whatever 
but I don't want to be like that. Like, mm-hmm. it's so, I love talking to people and I love meeting everybody. And like, I would prefer to live my life that way. But I think that it does come with detriments. Like it, and it's just the same as like me hosting and, and putting all of my energy out there. Um, then therefore I will crash sometimes like my like everything is a positive and negative reaction so like for me to give so much energy to this show the next day I'm gonna crash and I'm not gonna have as much energy and so it's like that's the way I want to live my life but it's hard like and it's and and it's something just not a lot of people would be used to you know what I mean like I feel like I kind of come with baggage in that way of being like, if you want to love me, you also have to love <laughs> this whole thing, like this bigger thing about me, which is that I'm never going to be just yours, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy. Like, do you feel that as a musician? Like, or is, you know what I mean? Because you're, you're performing. You have to go and perform. Yeah, I guess I look at it. I try to look at it in a positive way where it's exciting for me that they want yeah. that from me. Yeah. Like when an audience actually appreciates what I do and what I create, then that is a, a nice responsibility to yeah. have. Like they, they, they are gaining something positive from it and it's making them potentially feel better in some capacity. So it, it feels nice to be able to do that, mm-hmm. but yes, it can certainly be, be tiring, Yeah. but uh, I guess just looking at it in the way where you see it as you're putting out something positive for a yeah. group of people maybe helps deal with it in a positive way. A hundred percent, Mike. Like it is, it is the best feeling in the world. Like yeah. I actually, like, I think there's no greater feeling and I think, but you make it a really good point where um, putting out that positive energy to me, I, that's so important. I think like as, as much as you put out, you will receive. Yeah. And so like I, it, and even if like people, even if I didn't know anybody, I still go out and just talk to strangers. Like that's really, <laughs> it's really important to me to do that. I love doing that. You need that social connection. Uh, I need it. I absolutely need it because I also, I believe in that of like, if I put it out there, I think it's going to, hopefully it's going to affect their day and it's going to make them happier. And then they're going to do it for the person that they see. And so it's like, for me, it's so important to be like, when you're ordering your coffee, like to try to make that person laugh, I think is like. Is my favorite thing yeah. in the world because then it's like you feel that you physically feel that energy like between you when you share that moment with someone and like so I love it again like don't get me wrong it's my it's the greatest feeling in the world but but it does um it's it's tiring it's it's sometimes it's it's like a taxing feeling for you like do you have pre-prepared lines when you're ordering coffee <laughs> <laughs> you roll with the punches no, but I, I'm sorry, I got excited to hit my mic. Um, <laughs> let me think about this. Um, no, I'm so not. So, barista, reading your notes. Yeah. No, but can I tell you what, actually, that that this just happened and it, I laughed so friggin' hard about it. Um, I recently, like, just started seeing someone and I had to very quickly uh, buy a plunger because I plugged my toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to tell them, like, this was, like, way earlier. Like, we should Everyone's not. dream date. <laughs> and I had to be, like, um, just a heads up. Anyway, so he had to come with me to go, pick, to go buy a plunger. After, anyway, and we're in line and the person in front of me in the lineup like we, we there was a few of us in line so then i'm like okay well i gotta talk to these people so the person in front of me had like this tool and i was like what are you working on he's like oh i'm working on drywalling or whatever 
we talk about that for a little while and then i was like yeah okay well, this is what I'm working on. And I showed him <laughs> Plunger. And he laughs. And we just all, like, the, we just, like, cackled, cackled laughing for so long. And it was just, like, it's the best feeling in the world when you just, like, talk to strangers and then share this laugh and share this memory. And it's I a good icebreaker. Like, just oh carry gosh. around a plunger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that's actually why I brought this plunger here beside yeah. me. Um, this guest time. <laughs> um, but yeah. that, that's just you being honest. Mm. And you're like, like yeah. you talked about earlier, you're uh, <laughs> willing to talk about the... The hard things. Like yeah. some people clog their toilets yeah. and it's, uh, you uh, know, the end of the world. It's but, like, I get excited yeah. about it. I get excited now to be, to tell people like when I'm on my period, I'm on my period right now, actually, just so you know. Um, <laughs> 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 and uh, like all of those things, if there's anything like, and I, I think they got this from Atlantic Boylesque too, is because like, that's such a silly vulnerable art form like taking your clothes off for people is the most vulnerable thing besides stand-up comedy probably um and it's silly like it's just so silly and it's so fun and it makes me now like i get excited about talking about things that i used to be embarrassed about as a woman too you know like you know like i just can't help but think like remember when you would have to like you felt like you always had to hide your tampons. Like you're going to the bathroom and you have to hide. No one can see oh, you have this tampon. It's up the sleeve. It's up the sleeve. Yes. <laughs> we all have the same tricks. Yeah. Or yeah. like in your pocket and you need to like, you need to like push it. Like you need to grab it and quickly nobody can see it. And now I think it's like so funny. And I, now I'm like always pulling out my tampons and like, or like when I run Put it out. behind your ear yeah. like a pencil. <laughs> like, yeah. Like a joint. Yeah. 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 That like shit like that. Now I like love. I love doing I love doing it. Um I think it's just so funny. So hosting television, yeah. when did this come in? Was Ooh. this a an outcome of doing comedy and someone was like, oh man, we need to have you? Yes and no. This is really weird. And this is a time, this is like those moments that you know when you like look back on your life and it was just like the universe was pushing you into this direction. Mm -hmm. Like this was so serendipitous. This is the weirdest thing that has ever happened to me, okay? So what had happened was I had been done, so I'd, I'd done a few years of comedy and I moved to Toronto and I went to Second City and I learned a bunch of like comedy writing and sketch and acting and stuff like that. Um, and then I needed to make some money because mm. I was trying to be a comic. And so I went and worked on cruise ships for a little bit and I learned hosting. I learned how to hold an audience mm -hmm. and... Then I actually got a vocal node and I was on from doing that um, and talking improperly. Like there are a few things that I do with my speech that make it really hard on my voice. Like one of them is like um, I have a really hard time. I have a bad habit of like sucking in my stomach. And but from doing that, I don't breathe down to my diaphragm. I just breathe to my throat. And so. It's like, it's fascinating. It's like, it's a really weird thing. Like but, sucking in your stomach, like women feel obliged to do? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Like literally like, and, and which is another thing I'm like trying to talk about as much as I can, because it literally one of the biggest reasons I got vocal notes was because I suck in my stomach all the time. Because as a woman, you're like, you can't have a belly. Right. No, no way you can. Mm. That's disgusting. So I like always suck in my stomach and it made me, anyway, mm. so I like, got vocal notes and I was off work for like a year and a half and I didn't talk for a few months and I had vocal surgery and I had to like go through all this physio um 
And so moral of the story is I, I was like, oh, it was the worst time of my life. And Tommy was working on a music video. And he was about to have this meeting with this person, Nicole Steves. And I was kind of like bouncing some ideas back with Tommy about this video. So when he was about to leave, like I literally was like on my way in the door. He was on his way out the door and he was just like, do you want to come to this meeting? And I was like, uh, sure, actually, that'd be sick. So then I go to this meeting with Nicole Steves. I mention in this meeting that like, oh, I'd love to work in TV. And then a week later, she messages me that this TV show needs a PA. So I say yes. And then I show up on the day just as a PA, and which is a production assistant. Um, and all of a sudden, my comic friends start walking in. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Turns out it's a stand-up comedy show. Oh, no kidding. I had no idea. <laughs> and then by the end of that day, I got booked to be on that show. And then... So I was a PA for a few of them, but then I, the last one I performed on the show and then that production company, um, really liked me and saw me on the show is called stand and deliver and it was for Eastlink. And then they just started asking me to host other shows for them. Like, I think it, like it started as, as like a guest host on a paranormal investigating show, um, which then got me into hosting like a, this other show, which then became this thing. And it kind of like. It Neat. just picked up from there. Yeah. So it's mm. like, it's so, and it's so weird, guys, because it's like, literally for all of those things to line up, it all happened from like Tommy and I passing. Like if I was one minute earlier or later and we did not run into each other, I would not have had that meeting with Nicole. I wouldn't have gotten into TV. I wouldn't have like, it's so weird how yeah. that. So and it's, if you ugh, didn't get huh. the vocal notes, yeah. like who knows yeah. where you would have been, Oh my right? God, you're so right, Mike. I would have still been on that cruise ship. Like yeah. I was planning on working on that cruise ship for a while actually. And because I did really enjoy it and I was just going to go back. Um, and then, and I was devastated when they didn't let me back too, because like I was fit for duty and then the, cruise line was like no we're not taking you back because you're a liability um which is crazy yeah it's just yeah. like isn't that so weird how they do you guys feel that in your life like the universe just like pushed you to be where you are right now we just had this conversation with recent guests uh oh. hearts of kin and we were talking about now at this stage of our lives being able to recognize that things that are seemingly challenging or that go wrong yeah will one day have reason. Yeah. And I didn't used to feel that way. You just mm. felt like, why did this terrible thing happen to me? But now I've learned, mm. and your story is such a perfect example of just being patient and you never know where this kind of course correction <gasps> is going to take you. Mm. But I also love that you're able to look back on a moment in mm. your life that that happened. I don't know that I have that myself. Like I've gone through lots of different changes, I suppose. But for me, it's always been kind of a slow burn of like, I'll get a seed of an idea and like, maybe I'll pursue this and like then, but I need to agonize and stress about it for a year first and then yeah. take the next step. But I, I really admire those that are able to kind of go back and say like, that's the moment that turn things mm. in in this new life path for me so that's very cool yeah thank you yeah. i appreciate that i so, feel like the the hard moments that that come up in life that are inevitable are the things that force us in 
the direction we often need to go in. A hundred percent. Actually, that reminded me um, of something. To, I don't know. I'm just talking about Tommy this whole time. I should talk about my other siblings too eventually maybe. But we'll see. <laughs> and um, yourself. And my, oh, yeah. And myself. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but it reminded me there was a time. I think it was that similar time when I was off on like on – medical leave and I was just having the worst time in my life or like it was something like I had a big crash like you know when something like your life just crashes and I remember Tommy just being like I am so excited for you <laughs> and he said that to me and I was like fuck you <laughs> like I was so mad at him for saying that but he was just like oh my god it's so exciting when stuff like that happens because that means you're going you're about to go through a huge change or like it's it's so exciting. You can only go up from there. Like when you have those crashes, it's actually like the best things in your life mm. are happening. Yeah. And it's so true. When I look back on it, I'm like, yeah, you did. Like you need you need that. You need that restart sometimes of like getting nice out of that box. That's nice he was there to kind of point that yeah. out too. It might not always be what you want to hear in yeah. the moment. <laughs> no, it's true. I was like, shut up. Yeah. yeah, but it's, no, it's so true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. So what's your show now that you're hosting? Oh, wow. Where did this path take, like, where, what's the now look like? Thank you. Right now, like, the thing, the thing I do is the show called Maritime Inc. Mm -hmm. And so it is a tattoo show and it's for Eastlink. And what I do is that I find a community group like, um, firefighters or nurses or musicians or uh hairdressers and then i find this group and then i interview them about their tattoos and it's really interesting because i find like sometimes like in our firefighting episode oh my gosh like we i got to interview the hubbard's fire department and they're like the coolest people ever but they have so many specific like firefighting tattoos and so so then you get to hear all these stories, but then you have another group like who maybe don't have any tattoos about about their profession or about mm -hmm. their thing. So then it's like getting to figure out why or why not or like and it's so it's so interesting. I love doing it. Um, I it's made for Eastlink, but it's Garnon Productions. It's Gary and Nancy Hill who are my producers, and they're just so lovely. Uh, and I hey, love Gary doing and Nancy. it. <laughs> yeah, mm. they're so awesome. <laughs> and so that's the show that I actually I write it, I direct it, I. Um, I host it and I production manage it. That's amazing. A lot and of I, hats. Yeah, this is a lot of hats. And it was like, it's like when that show was going on, it was like for two months. That's all I'm working on. Like, that's all I'm doing. And I love working contract work like that. I love mm -hmm. being like, okay, this is for this energy. And then you have like a couple weeks off and then you pick another one. And like, um, but that would be like my show. That's my thing. Um, but then there's another show that I host for Eastlink called Slancha, which my friend Holly makes it. And she did the first few seasons and then she asked me to host it and to take over it. And I also just love doing that show. I only host that show, but we get to like travel around um, and it's all about like breweries and wineries and distilleries. So we also just get to like travel around Nova Scotia and I get to like. Sounds terrible. I know, right? And, like You poor thing. I I hate like talking about it because I'm like oh I just have to go to this brewery and interview all these people and then I have to drink their beer like I have to drink all their beer it sucks like um it's the best job yeah it's the best job ever so like those but you've are made my it for two... yourself like you yeah. deserve it because you've welcomed this into your your orbit thank you yeah. thank you so much and I what's so like humbling or so exciting to me is I read this like meme <laughs> the other day or something that was like your 12 year old self would be so excited to find out who, to meet you right now or figure yeah. out who you were and when i read that um 
Oh my God. I was like, you're, it's so right. Because like you said, I didn't even, when I was this kid, I didn't even know that this was an option. I didn't even know I could do this. And now like, so if I could have told myself that this is what I'd be doing, I would have, that would have blew my fucking mind. That would have been like, <laughs> that would have been like, that would have been the craziest thing ever. So does it's it blow like, your mind now? Yes, actually. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. It does blow my mind now. Mm. Like it really does. And like just the weirdest stuff. And, and especially because I do so many different things stuff like um that's all my work you know what i mean like so even i just had to make the poster for our next boylesque show which is on september 16th if i can say that if you don't Where mind at? it's at the bus stop theater and this is my first official co-production of um the sh of the show like or this one and uh it's called open your mouth a taste of atlantic boylesque and it's we're just like kind of reprising some stuff that we've done already and like it's so cool but i made the poster for it and for this poster i um had this idea where i was like it's a it's like i painted this like big tongue and then i was like i'm gonna have to spit on it right like that's if i'm making this like poster with this tongue i'm gonna have to spit on it so anyway so i made this poster and then at the bottom i just I, and for so long i was like spitting on it and trying to move the thing and i just had this feeling of being like this is my job right now is just to spit on for this so poster. long yeah. i was spitting on it <laughs> there's the quote for the podcast for we'll so be using Long, I was spitting on it. Yeah, it actually is. And so it's like, it's stuff like that. that Kristen like, Green, folks. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally so on. Yeah, that actually really checks out for me. That's really on par. Um, so even stuff like that, I'm just like, I have the coolest, weirdest, like, especially with Boy Lask, yeah. And being like, when I go to a show, I'm just like, oh, I just have to pack all of my lingerie for this show and all this like weird stuff that I own. <laughs> and like, and that's like, this is the coolest, funnest thing ever. Like, I just feel so, um, yeah, I feel so lucky. I feel so lucky when you get to do the thing that you want to do for work. That is such a luxury that a lot of people mm -hmm. don't have and just don't even have that option. So like, I just feel so so lucky that I get to do what I love for money, which I hate money. But you know, you but you've do it. created this. You've took the risks mm -hmm. to get to the spots that you're in, and like a lot of people in certain situations would have said, "Oh, I should probably whatever go back to school or do this or that." But you decided this is the path <sighs> I'm on, and this is what I'm sticking to. And you've created this world around you that that is. Totally 100% Kristen Green, right? No way. That's really nice. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Do you set out goals for yourself or are you more kind of rolling with these opportunities as they come? Ooh, a bit of both. Mm -hmm. I, there have been a few times where I'm like, I'm going to do this thing. And I've, so I've started in the last couple of years producing my own stuff. Um, and I'd love to do that more. So like there, so a year or two ago, I was like, oh, I have this goal where I'm going to make um, a TV show, like a coverage special of Halcon. So I did that. And it was, that was my goal was that I was going to make this and I was going to put it on Eastlink and they did and they loved it. And it was awesome. Um, so like there are little goals like that I have sometimes. And mm -hmm. I, but also I'm like, I just, you just got to see what happens. Like, and you don't know, I think like, saying yes to everything is something that's really good f for me f for that because you just don't know like 
where anything's going to take you. And so like, Mm -hmm. and especially where you're, when your job is just doing contract work and networking, saying yes to this one weird, obscure thing might lead to something else that's even like weirder or crazier. Like, so I also, I'm trying to say yes to everything and just kind of roll with the punches and just, I don't really like planning. Actually, it's really hard for me to even think about the future. Like I can't even fathom it, which is like, I I don't even have good like money saving skills because I'm like when is that for like right. I don't think because I'm like well I want like th- this is now like I'm living now um, so I'm very much like that but um, yeah like goals I'm kind of there are like some things that I'm like oh wow I'd love this thing to happen I would love this thing to happen um, yeah. but also you don't even know what they are all the time that's so true do you how do you feel about that question Mike. I think I have like a, a vision of things I I hope to accomplish and the places I want to get and mm. achieve. But again, you never know how things are gonna happen. Like mm. what? it's kind of how we travel. Like we'll book <gasps> yeah. maybe our first couple nights at a hotel and I mean if you're only gone for a few days, but like if you're gone for a month there's a balance of, okay, my flights are booked, but the sandwich meet in between, we have to have a little bit of adventure and just roll with it. I completely agree. Like, I just think because you just when you have those experiences, too, they just mean so much more. Like, they feel spontaneous. Yeah. They feel like um, I just love that. Like, it's so much more fun than me. Tr- I, yeah, I'm just not a planner. I just don't plan, actually. Mm-hmm. Um I just love being like, just throw me in something and be like, who even knows what's going to happen? Wherever the wind takes you. Yeah. Like today. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, actually, I wanted to ask you this question, too, because Mike and I don't really plan anything when we have mm. guests come in. Like, we don't have a set of questions or, you know. I love we, that. But how's your approach when you're going to interview for Maritime Inc. or maybe even hosting? Like, That's a great question. I'll have like an, I'll have like an ish. Like, so how I like to even do my stand-up now. Like, I I like to have things set up, but I... Oh, how do I say this? Like, it's it's on the back burner. Like, it's like, if I'm completely... If I have nothing else, then I can ask this question or I can say this joke. But I love mm. just organic conversation mm-hmm. so much. So, like, especially when I'm interviewing someone, too, like, I love to just... Like, I actually, this is really nice for me because I, I hate the like, this is a question and this is my answer. And then this is the next question. And it's like, because you don't even know what people are going to talk about. Like, so mm-hmm. for me to curate uh, our, your story before we even start talking to me is like, is trying to control something that I can't control and shouldn't control because it's going to, the goal would for it to be as organic as possible. And like, you don't mm-hmm. know what's going to come out. So like. I even sometimes when I interview people, I on purpose ask a couple questions that like are just throwaway questions. Like I'm just like, oh, where are you from? And it's like, I'm not even going to use that in the show, but it gets you talking already. Mm. But then that might make you say something that I can then ask about. And right. like that I prefer so much more because you just don't know what you're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, it feels like a missed opportunity if you just have this list to get through. Yeah, it you, does. You never know what you're missing out on. Like some of these things that have just happened in your life. Yeah. Had you been super regimented about it, it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So you're, you're doing agree. you. I feel like you're living your life authentically. So <laughs> things are going to just keep coming to you i'm trying awfully hard Um, (laughs) if you got if i gave you a billion (gasps) dollars right now yeah maybe we will we'll see no way really maybe um would you keep doing what you're doing 
Wow, what a question. Yes, a thousand percent I would. Yeah. I also have this dream, which I've been talking about a lot recently, of owning like a bar space um, that would be like in a community space. And it kind of started because I was reading the Second City book of how it got started. And it was like, it all got started because there was just this cafe that was like a really communal, good um, cafe that a lot of creative people went to. And it mm-hmm. became this hub of mm-hmm. creation and art. And, and, and so... For me, I'm like, if I had a billion dollars, that's what I would, I would open that like immediately. What would you name it? Um, So I already, we're going to call it Our Backyard. Um, I I already have like a business partner who's like talking to me about it and being like, we're going to fucking do this. But I mean, like, I don't know. But with the idea of being, yeah, it's called Our Backyard and it would be like, you could, there would be an event every single night of the week too. Like, like if you ever wanted to have a space or a stage, you would just have this and we would have it open every single night. And even during the day, like I'd have trivias going on all the time. But the point of it being just like, if you were coming to work on anything in the creative arts or anything, like you should come to this space and this is where everybody's going to gather to meet and talk and Stuff like that. So I would do that. And then I would also do everything I'm doing all the time. Like, I really would. I also have found out, like, I love community television specifically. Like, Mm -hmm. it is so important to me because you, like, television is something, too, that, like, it seems so... Uh, glamorous like especially when you're not in it so like like in rural New Brunswick I could never have fathomed like working in television so when I see that like when I get to as a I get to reach out to people and be like hey can I interview you for this television show you can just tell that they never in a million years thought that they would be asked to be on that show because they are just a random community member and they're, and so how I look at it is like, I interview nobodies and figure out why they are somebody. Um, And that to me is like the coolest thing ever. And even like when I did this Halcon special, I on purpose was like, I'm not even interviewing any of the famous people because who cares? Who cares about them? Like, like we care about our community members and being like, why are you so unique and special? And like, so I like love community television and I will do it like probably forever. It's so fun. That's so incredible. And and I totally relate to that feeling doing this podcast. Yeah. Like we've had some, well, every guest really, and I'm sure you feel the same. Like every guest has a story Yeah, and leaves you feeling enriched in some way. You learn something, you make a connection like that always feels good for everybody there. Mm -hmm. I have found my favorite interviews have been with people that maybe have never done an interview before. And like you're saying, they're just so appreciative. Like, what do you mean you want me to come? You want me? And I'm like, you will probably be the most relatable person that we have on because everybody listening is also thinking i would never be in that position yeah but they could be and so yeah there's something really beautiful about that i i totally agree oh thank you and i and i love that too because it's so true it's just like everybody's everybody is fascinating everybody Mm -hmm. my belief is that everybody's hot and everybody's fascinating (laughs) that's like (laughs) those are my that's my outlook on the on the world um it's so interesting. I absolutely love it. That's mm, really cool. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. <gasps> oh my god! This has covered a lot of ground. You're a ball of energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So. Is your down day like our just normal state of being? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Actually, probably. Yeah. No. Also, my down days are like. Yeah. 
Or they're like really down and I'm just like, I just watch Star Trek alone, mm. like by myself. That's for, your like, go-to comfort TV. Anything. Yeah. Like I actually am surprised I hadn't even brought up Star Trek yet because mm. it's such a big part of my identity actually. Um, <laughs> but I love it because it's also, can I say this so fast? I'm so sorry. The thing about Star Trek 2 and why it's so cool and so important is that it was because it also was set out with the intention of like, we have this, there's this media, there's there's this platform of television and how do we use it to share our perspectives on the world and and to make it to make people think about our world right now and how to make it better. So like actually Star Trek was started like on purpose as a show for us to watch it and have hope for the future that we're going to get better because uh, everything sucks. Like everything sucks. Mm-hmm. So like they like just so it came out in the 60s even and they were like it had the first like interracial kisses, the first same sex kiss in mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine. Like it has they're constantly like and and in Deep Space Nine, actually, there's a subplot where, um, like, they live in this utopia. Like, Star Trek is a utopia, but this event had to happen to have this utopia. And it was called the Bell Riots. And in the Star Trek timeline, the Bell Riots happen in 2024. Mm. And so, and they did that on purpose, you know. Like, they do it soon enough so that we have something to think about. And so even now, like me and all these like star trek groups i'm a part of whenever something like bad is happening or like a crazy article you know about like anti-trans or anti-abortion or like people you know being awful everybody posts in the group being like one more year till the bell riots and like it's next year is this big riot that's going to happen that we're going to like tear everything down and start better and it's like it feels like we're leading towards yeah like it totally does like i feel like this year is the first we've known about climate change of course since we were infants we've heard about yeah the ozone layer yeah and but now this is the first time in my life where i feel like we're in it though now like we're (gasps) in the thick of something very real very scary exactly as predicted maybe worse and so all of these things that we've heard and that they're predicting for in the future suddenly is like a, just that like 2% more co- uncomfortable because it's, it's so been true. now proven to us. This mm-hmm. isn't just theory anymore. Like we've just had wildfires and flooding within a month of each, a month of each other in our own home. Mm. Like that's weird. That's weird. It's like never, we're feeling it. Yeah. Like insurance companies, like mm. our insurance has gone up and like that's going to be a new thing every year. And oh, yeah. Just different infrastructure things that you never really people talked about yeah. it, but now, yeah. And, and I think people too are realizing that it's like that. Um, it's it's only the people at the top that are doing all of this to us, and so I think that that's something we're realizing too. Is it's like, oh, these are billionaires who have names and they have addresses, and we could like figure right. out who they are in 2024 in 2020 in september 2024 uh, it's the bell riots and we're revolting a year away. yeah we got one year we got a so lot is this of pre- something we should prep for yes i was okay. gonna say we got a lot of planning to do folks okay everybody gotta get together are you gonna be in the bomb shelter or on the front line i'm gonna be in the front lines okay i yeah thank you first thing i'm gonna burn down the police station i've already said it no, no. anyway no no <laughs> that's <laughs> <incriminating>. <laughs> Yeah, that's incriminating. Okay, no, don't say that. No, I'm no, I'm into it though. Well, let's uh, plan to do a one year renewal uh, interview. Okay, and it'll be next September, 2024. 
After and so the long as revolt. this is still standing, <gasps> we'll be here. We'll be here. <laughs> I, I promise not to touch your studio in the in the revolution. Okay, okay? I will make sure that this stays here. This but. maybe will be a focal point of the revolution. <gasps> no yeah. way. Headquarters. Headquarters. Do you think? Well, because we're already we're getting the the we can broad, memo out broadcast right now. to the world from here. <gasps> no way. Yeah, there you go. That makes me there feel so cool. Actually, <laughs> that reminds me. Have you guys seen They Live? The no. movie they live. Oh my no. gosh, it's so good. It's like it's the best movie ever. But it just reminded me of that. There's a there's like a secret message. They live is like also something everybody has to watch because it came out in 1988. It's John Carpenter who did like Halloween and mm-hmm. The Thing and okay, yeah. all that stuff. Um, but this movie is about um, like uh, that the like a uh, the one percent are controlling us and we don't know about it kind of a thing. Anyways, it's really cool. Mm. And uh, everybody should watch it. And, and it came out in 88. And it came out in A lot of these things you can look back on that are predicting yeah. the future. The they Simpsons just know. is good at that. That's why, yeah, Simpsons and, the, and science fiction. Like, science fiction is so, is so cool for that. And, uh, yeah, anyway, it just reminded me of that. There's, a, there, there's like, a church where they're, like, broadcasting all the stuff from. So when you said that, I was like, mm. ah, that's us. Mm. Live from Hot Jupiter yeah. Sounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks Very so cute. much for being here, Kristen. It means welcome, a lot. Though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Both Christians, Eat both Christians are both awesome, oh. and uh, yeah, no, we're we're honored that you spent some time with us and shared your story and inspired people out there. I that's so sweet. I really appreciate it. I'm I was so honored, honored, honored when you asked me. And this, like, I think you two are like the coolest people ever. And like, oh, we thank feel you. entirely the same no. about you. I'm super no. energized now, no. and just yeah, this was such a delight. You're just a delightful person. Oh my gosh, that's so sweet. I just feel so good. And I, you guys are the coolest, sweetest people ever. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Thanks. We'll, See you next uh, year. We'll list your uh, your show in the show notes as well. And thank how can you. people find you just in general? Great question. My name is Kristen Green, but it's K-R-I-S-T-Y-N. Kristen Green, but on Instagram, I'm, it's at Kristen Green. What's yours? Is probably the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have a we'll YouTube channel. Put that channel link up too. And, okay. Like, mm. Awesome. Cool. Binge on that tonight. No then. way. You guys are so sweet. Thank <laughs> you. Sweet. Thanks, friends. <laughs> Time for the outroduction, Kristen. Are you energized after Kristen that one? Kristen Harrington. Kristen Harrington. Kristen Green. Yes, very energized. I bet our listeners are too. Yeah. Yeah, they're a little more wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. My mom used to say bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Is that a saying that other people say or was that a a Nancy Harrington original? You know what? I I don't know. I think it, if it's if it's a you know, she misspoke and said it improper, I think it still is a good saying. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we're going to use. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yeah. That's what Kristen is leaving us with. So we'll take that energy into our day Mm. and hope that everyone else out there is able to do that. And yeah, she's just a super cool person. Lots of awesome things on the go and truly an honor to get to chat with her. Cute as a button, too. Just those greens, right? Yes, I commented on Tommy's good looks, so... Same goes for Kristen. They're just an attractive family. <laughs> there you go. We got to get the other two siblings on as well. Yeah, that's right. Let's meet these people. So what are you taking this energy into this coming weekend? What's on your, your Jeez, agenda? I got lots of things. I got a bunch of projects I'm working on for other people in my studio. I got to 
finish up a few of those, then got to start recording the music for Galactic Pie. Great. And you've got a show on Friday, do you know? Yes, yeah. a show in Wolfville with Burry, with uh, Wayne Bedecki and Julia Cunningham. Also in Wolfville now is my niece, Sophia, Sophia who has just started her first year at Acadia University. So huge congratulations to her. I'm just so thrilled to have the Harrington tribe reunited here in Nova Scotia. So not only is Sophia here, but my nephew Ian and brother Tim and wife Janet. And they have really had one heck of a month planning and moving and reorganizing and starting school. So we wish Sophia all the best and I'm trying not to obsessively text and visit her, but uh, we're going to pick her up for the show on Friday. Mm. Woo! Unless she makes awesome party plans instead. Yeah, that's more for likely to happen. First year student party plans. Yes, I'm in competition with an entire university's worth of cooler, younger people, but... No. I'll keep trying. It's coming to see me. Everyone's coming. Okay, well, there we'll we be go. there. Okay, folks, thanks for tuning in as always, and we'll, we'll be back in a week. See you then. Much love.